BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture. I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. You guys, hello. Welcome to today's podcast. Sarah Shahi is here. This podcast came about from like literally Instagram DMs where she was just like the chillest. And so I just wanted to give you that introduction that you're super chill and cool. So thank you for coming on my my show. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I really like your stuff and I like your content and your mom and you're funny and I was just like, yeah, like it was, I don't know. It was just really easy. And I like, thank you. And so it's not weird for you that your ex-husband was on a few weeks ago. No, it was not weird. He's an actor, you know, Yeah, he's got to do his thing. So I know. Yeah, it's all good. Okay, cool. So I wanted to, first of all, introduce you. Your born name Mm -hmm. is Ahu. Mm -hmm. Did I say good? Yeah, you said right. Most people don't, but yeah, my real name was Ahu. And when I was like, you know, I'm from Texas. And when I was little, I got made fun of so much. It was like, yoo-hoo, wahoo, achoo, like all the time. (laughs) And kids are so awful. So I was in the car with my mom and I was like, I really want to change my name. And as we're having this talk, that song by Jefferson Starship, Sarah, that was, that was on. So my mom's like, oh, what about Sarah? That's like a nice, normal name. And I was like, I'll take it. I'll take it. Anything but Ahu. So if it were like, come on, Eileen, you know, it could have been Eileen. Wait, so Sarah, so how did that transition into acting? So I was at Southern Methodist University. I was 
in Texas. And I always thought I was going to be like an English major. I was a real big bookworm and loved to write. And, you know, I just thought acting was something like you, like it was impossible to do. It was like going to the moon, you know, like one in a million got an opportunity to act. And I was always on stage though, because I also did like show choir. I was like Rachel Berry, but less cunty, you know, I was always like the star soloist, but I was nice. And so I really liked it. And I was in a production of a musical called Chicago at SMU. And one day, I think me and some of the other, you know, actors were talking and I was just like, oh, you know, I, I want to be an actress. I just don't know how to do it out here. And they were like, well, why don't you try out for the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders? Because back in 1995, they were on SNL. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, maybe that's my way in. I'd never been a cheerleader before. I always had like this disdain for cheerleaders because they were always the most popular. They got to wear the shortest skirts, they had the best legs. And here I am with my like muscular athletic legs. It's like, and I just never, the guys never liked me that I liked. And, you know, and so I was like, oh, great. I'm going to go be one of them. I'm like, this is awful. But I tried out and they're more of a dance team than they were like a cheerleading team. And it was one of the hardest auditions of my life to this day, because it was so long and there were so many girls that wanted to do it. And so, yeah, like over 500 people showed up and tried out and even the veterans had to retry out and they, they got it down. They took like 27 people to their training camp. And then from that point, they still made cuts and they reduced it down to 24. And, and you made it. I made it. I made it. So I made it. And Robert Altman I don't know if you know that that is. He's like the godfather of film, like Scorsese, Spielberg, like all of those. And I didn't know who he was. Like it didn't, I, it, it didn't click. Like I was 19. I it didn't click that, oh, this is a Hollywood director. I was just like, oh. So we started talking to each other one day and we just kind of never stopped. Like he was so, he was like a grandpa to me. And like we got along and we actually talked about everything but acting. And we just had so much in common and he had a nephew who was my age. And so we were just talking about school and, and it, it was there for two weeks right before he left. He was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I want to be an actor. I was like, but I don't know how to do it out here. And he goes, well, I think you have something. And he's like, so he gave me his office number and his cell number. And he said, if you ever come out to LA, I want to help you. Give me a call. And I was like, okay. I still, it still didn't click. Like this is this huge legendary Oscar award-winning director who people have written books on his films. I still had no idea. I was like, what is this guy now? <laughs> so then I go home that night and I Googled him and I didn't recognize any of his movies. And, but I recognized one, which was Popeye with Robin Williams, like the movie that almost kept Robin Williams from ever working again. It was such a disaster. So I tell my mom, I'm like, ma, the guy who directed Popeye says I got a shot. So then that was it. So yeah, I packed up my truck and I moved to LA. So wait, did you call Robert though? I did call. He was still in Texas shooting and we were playing phone tag with one another for a few months. And every time I go into a room, I mean, I was so green. I mean, if there was like a producer session and they had like, you know, snacks and hors d'oeuvres or whatever for the producers, like in the back of the room, I hit that place first because I thought that was for me. So I was like snacking on the carrots and stuff in the audition and people would look at me and they're like, how long have you been here? How long have you been acting? And I'm like, 
I don't know, since today. <laughs> I'm like, this is pretty great. <laughs> you all have more free time. And, and I just was so naive. You know, I just didn't know. And then people would tell me though, they're like, you know, I tell the Robert Altman story and they'd be like, do you know who that is? And I'm like, yeah, he's the guy, you know, he's doing that movie. And they're like, no, do more homework on him. And I was like, okay. And little by little, I did start reading about him. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's actually a really big deal. And I just got so intimidated. And then I just didn't know what to say to him anymore. So I never, so his, his last call to me, I never called back. And then I found that he died a couple months later. So it really broke my heart. And I was just like, wow, he was like my acting angel. Like he was the one who started it all for me. And then he left. Wow. Yeah. So you were, so you were doing, he gave you like the, the motivation to actually pack up and move. hundred percent. And it was blind confidence. Like I had no idea what I was doing and why my mom, but, and she said, she, cause I was like, you know, how did you just let me go? I'd never done this. I'd never told you I wanted to do this. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm moving. And she just said, she was like, because from a child, I had a track record of whatever I put my mind to. I did. And she was like, I knew you were going to do it one way or another. So I might as well just support you and help you. I loved season one of Single Drunk Female. Okay. It's from the executive producer of Girls and it's coming back for season two. I'm so freaking excited. It's so refreshing. It's so in your face. And Sophia Black Delia is just amazing. And you're going to fall in love with her. So if you haven't heard of Single Drunk Female, it's about Samantha Fink and her sobriety journey. And she got sober, but that wasn't the end of her journey. So we're going to see the real challenges and hard work and being an adult, finding personal success and learning to celebrate yourself while sober. So she started rock bottom. Now she's here. Well, she's somewhere in the middle. Busy Phillips is in it. And it's just a really, really great show, you guys. So catch single drunk female on a free form. Okay. Season premiere is on April 12th on free form and all episodes will be available the next day on Hulu. Thank God. So free forms, single drunk female is coming back season premiere, April 12th on free form and all episodes available the next day on Hulu. Okay. So new season, single drunk female on free form and Hulu. Things are looking up for Sam. She's 549 days sober and counting and can't wait to see where she goes from here. You know, I'm your sale girl. Okay. I'm a sale girl from birth. Okay. I will always go to the sales section. I will always go to the sales section. Okay. That's just in my blood no matter what. And so I'm here to tell you about Macy's great shoe sale because it's coming and it's coming right in time for spring. So from April 4th to April 16th, mark thy calendars. You can get 40% off when you buy two or more pairs of shoes or one shoes, one shoe, one pair of shoes for 30% off. So whether you're looking for platform sandals, heels, boots, I heard that ankle booties are out just so you know, or even sneakers. Sneakers are always in. I just heard that 
Adidas Sambas are out though, and I haven't gotten my pair yet. Um, Macy's has the perfect pair to complete your look. So make sure you check out Macy's.com before it's too late. You guys from April 4th to April 16th, you can get 40% off two pairs or 30% off one pair at Macy's.com. So some exclusions do apply. So see Macy's.com for details. You can order whatever you need online and pick up in store or curbside or get same day delivery powered by DoorDash. Head over to Macy's.com today. That's Macy's.com today. And for Macy's shoe sale, head to Macy's.com slash shoes. Did you finish college? No, I quit. I quit everything. I quit. Like one day I just stopped going. I stopped going to school. I stopped going to the cheerleaders. That was kind of a weird thing. I had like these three or four books on acting that I always kept with me at all times. And I was always just like reading them, you know, when I wasn't, when I had five minutes, it's like, I'd instantly pick it up and I'd read. And I wrote his number down. I think it was like four books. And I wrote his number down in three of those four books. I was like, not going to lose it. Didn't have a cell phone or anything. And so I, I went on the USO, USO tour with the cheerleaders and I remember right before I left, I looked in my cheerleading bag and those three books that I had his number in were gone. And I was like, what the fuck? So this is so, this is so scandalous. I can't believe I'm sharing this with you. Okay. I've never told anybody. I've never told anybody this. So we were told not to fraternize with Hollywood. We were told they are coming to us. We do not fraternize with them. And I definitely have a bit of that rebellion. As soon as somebody tells me not to do something, I want to know I do it because not because I'm trying to be rebellious, but I want to know why, why did you tell me not to do that? So I'm going to go find out for myself. So I was so angry that those three books were taken. And my bag was always at the cheerleading Texas stadium or the ranch It was called the ranch. And I go on the tour. I hated it. I was so angry. And Al Franken, I remember was on the tour and like, we had like chaperones and we weren't like allowed to leave, but yet we were in Italy and all these beautiful locations. And we had to like stay in our room and concentrate on the next day's performance. And I was like, this is bullshit. And they stole my bags. Like I'm sneaking out of my room. So I'd sneak out of my room and Al Franken, he would slip a little note on my door and he was there with his wife and stuff. So it was not like that, but like, he'd be like, Hey, we're going to go to this restaurant. Do you want to come out? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. I'll meet you there. And so I snuck out a couple of times and they found me and they were like, you know, we'll send you back. And I was like, send me back, like, send me back. Like, I don't care. You guys fucking stole from me. So then they didn't. I got back. <laughs> I got back on December, I think 30th. And there was a big game. There's always a big New Year's Eve game that the Cowboys do. And it was the Cowboys versus the Giants. And there was like a huge halftime show. And we had been rehearsing for months for this halftime show. There was a big performer that was coming in. And when I got back, the head of the organization, she calls me in her office. As soon as we get back from the tour, like we landed and I got pulled into the office and she was like, you must be looking for these, the three books. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, what was that about? And I was like, I don't know. I was just, we really got along and, you know, he was like a grandpa, wasn't anything weird. And that's all that was. And then she was like, okay, you can leave. And she gave me the books back. And the next day was the big game. And I didn't go. I just didn't go. I got so, I mean, the phone was ringing a hundred times in a minute. 
you know, just everything from whoever the like leader of the group was like wanting to know where I was, you know, and other, other rookies that were there, the veterans, Kelly was calling me Kelly McGonagall Finglass. That's her, that's the name. That's her. And she's still there. And, um, yeah, I just didn't go. I shouldn't show up. You didn't go because you were angry at them for like betraying you. I was super angry. I felt, I felt like they really invaded my space. I felt like it was so manipulative of them to like, try to keep me down. And I was just like, and I'm not a, a vengeful person. I'm not, you know, but I was so angry. I was like, there's no way I'm going. Yeah. And it really messed up their formation. Like it just kind of messed up everything for that big game. And then she called me, I didn't answer. And then she called my mother and my mom, she knew what was going on. And she was like, Oh, she already left. She's in LA. And she, then she came and she like stalked me outside my house. Like the next day she like came and she like waited. I saw her and I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe she's at outside my house, like just on the street waiting to see if I come in or out. So she pulled around the corner one time and I ran out to check the mail. And then she came around the Oh my God. What did she want? Do you think she just wanted to talk to you? I think, I think she wanted to catch me. I think she wanted, you know, she wanted the uniforms back. And so my mom, did you give it back? My mom took them out to her. I like, didn't want to see her. And so my mom took her, took the uniforms back, gave the uniforms back. And yeah, they told the girls though. I remember, cause I had a couple friends that were on the team and I was like, what are they saying about me? And they're like, they said that they let you go because you were like going to pose for Playboy with the pom-poms or something. And I was like, that's such a crock of shit. Such a crock of shit. Wait, so, but don't you think, Sarah, now I'm like, maybe that Kelly woman was also your acting angel in a way. You know what? You are so right. I mean, I I already decided that I was going to go, but what that did is it just, it put this determination in me that, you know, maybe that's where that blind confidence came from, where I was like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. And, you know, and there was no turning back. There was no, I had no plan. Right. Like you burned the bridge, like you're in the movie, like you burn the bridge, everything's burning up. You got to head, you got to head out to Hollywood. Okay. So you did, you did a bunch of auditions and you started working. Yeah. You started started working. I started working and I, you know, I'm not a studied actor or anything. I get a little, you know, sometimes people aren't set and they, they cite Chagall or wait, Chagall's an artist. Strasbourg, Strasbourg. I said Chagall, that's a fucking painter. I'm just like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and I just always felt, I just always felt, I was like, okay, you just have to be natural. You have to act like you're talking to your friend. And so I would just practice in the mirror, like all the time, like I was talking to a friend and, and then, yeah, I started working and then alias was kind of the first big job that I got. And through the, you know, like JJ Abrams was on that show. That was his show. And he was very supportive, like of my sort of process, I guess. And very like, don't study. Cause I, most of my scenes were with Bradley Cooper. Who was on Alias? Wasn't that Jennifer Garner? Yeah. yeah. And Bradley Cooper was on it? Yeah. Bradley was. And it's funny because like we still keep in touch, which I just think is so great because he's like this huge movie star, you know, and still keeping touch with like the TV actor from the day, you know, so it's so sweet. But like he was in the newspaper office. He played, I think, Will Tippin was his character's name. And he and I and I was his assistant in the newspaper office. And then he had like a huge crush on Sydney, who I think it was her name, Sydney, was Jennifer Garner. 
And then, but I had a crush on him. And I was always like, you know, why do you like her? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and he was great and lovely and such a such a you know beautiful performer that that was that became my school. That became the opportunity where I really got to kind of you know work on acting as an actual instrument as an art performance. And did and you I, not want to date him though? No, I didn't want to date him. No. Really? Yeah. I need to look back because I think. Bradley had like a, a, not a glow up, but like there was a moment where all of a sudden he got like maybe the hangover. We were like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, back then, you know, he, yeah, he had like, he hadn't grown into himself the way he did after he played that role in Hangover. Damn men and their aging. Wait, so I was obsessed with the L word, like thought I might be a lesbian. Oh. And then all of a sudden, you know, watching Sex Life and everyone being like, oh, my God, like Carmen, <laughs> you know. So how was getting yeah. the L word job for you? Like, did you watch the show? Did no, you? I didn't watch the show. I mean, I think me and my sheltered life, I didn't even know what a lesbian was, you know. So it's like, <laughs> not that, you know, not that there was anything wrong with it, but I just don't think I had been introduced to even, you know, homosexuality, like in a relationship when I grew up in my, you know, small, you know, middle to low class in Texas, I was, we had, I, we had a lot of Samoans around us and, you know, that was my community. I didn't know anything. And, and so when I auditioned for the L word, I did, I thought L meant love and I got the role and I didn't, I still didn't, quite understand. And the character on paper, it was like Carmen. And then there was a character named Shane. And so I just assumed it was like a boy. And my mom, when she, I said, mom, I was like, I got my first big job. And, and I, it was like, I had to go to Vancouver to shoot. And I was like, oh my God, like I, I'm actually doing this like as a real, like this is actually happening. I'm a series regular and I'm getting checks like each week. And I go up there and my and then I have the wardrobe fitting and then I see like the pictures of all the women and I'm like, oh, and I was like, is this, what does the L stand for? <laughs> and they were like, lesbian. And I went, oh, oh, is that what I'm doing? Ah, <laughs> so I called my mom and I was like, mom, I'm playing a lesbian. And she was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I thought. L stand for love, but it seems for like lesbian. And then she was just so she was like, well, that's hot. <gasps> like, well, that's hot. And yeah, my mom was fucking, she was cool. She was cool. She was much more open-minded than her background, like would allow her to be. And I think because she wanted, she hated where she came from so much that she just jumped into everything that was like American and free and allowing of choice. You know what I mean? So she was like, well, that's, that's hot. She was like, and you're going to do great. And I was like, okay. And yeah. And then my first day on set, it was when I met Kate, Kate Menig and, and they were like, you know, Sarah, this is Kate, Kate, this is Sarah, Sarah in the scene, Kate's going to go down on you. And I was like, I didn't know that's what we do. Wait, they didn't do like matching chemistry tests before. No, no. That's wild. None of that. And as, you know, as the stars would have it, Kate and I just genuinely liked each other and her, Alicia and I, we still keep in touch. We still talk to this day. And yeah. And I only had two seasons with those girls. 
And I know. Were you sad when when your character got ran off? No, because from the beginning, my contract was only two years. I and that was my choice because, you know, it's almost like I have a two year track record with things. <laughs> and and I just I have a hard time wrapping my head around doing one character for seven years. It, 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 it's always from the beginning that I started my career. I just was like, I can't do that. Like, no, I want to go do other things like two, two years, two years. And they said, okay, you know, and that was it. We never, no one ever spoke to me about potentially coming back or anything. It was just always a two-year deal. And so I knew it was coming, but, but yeah, I really, like I said, I formed a really great sort of kinship with those girls, with Kate and Leisha and Jennifer. And uh, yeah, we're still, we're still friends. I don't get why you wouldn't get Ibotta, you know, like, are you shopping anyway? Are you buying food, groceries anyway? Why not get cash back? You can get cash back with Ibotta. You're going after the season's latest trends. Don't you want to watch your cash back grow with each purchase? Well, get Ibotta. So I'm serious. If you can earn cash back on every shopping trip, why wouldn't you do it? So Ibotta is super easy. It's an app and then you can link your account or upload your receipt after you shop and you'll get cash back. It's that easy. Like you'll be able to buy a really fancy meal with a cash back. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year in real cash back. I mean, that could cover an entire shopping trip, you know, or you can use your cash for upgrading a flight or that game or concert you're dying to go to. Probably not you know, a Taylor Swift concert ticket, but you get what I mean. You guys, Ibotta is offering my listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta. So download Ibotta and then use the code not skinny. When you register, you go to the app store or Google play store and you download the free Ibotta app. That's I B O T T A use code not skinny. That's I B O T T A in the Google play or app store and use the code not skinny for $5. That's I B O T T A $5 just for trying Ibotta. I remember using deodorant that wasn't free of aluminum. Like those were the days. <laughs> that was a fun time. Ignorance is bliss. And then when I was like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. I switched to native and native took my good for you deodorant virginity. And I'm just so glad because I still freaking love it. And native has come so far and now use their body wash and their SPF like they just make everything and make everything so good. So their SPF is quickly absorbing ultra sheer hydrating and lightweight that offers like SPF 30 protection from UVA and UVB rays. All native sunscreen is made with 20% active zinc oxide, which that actually is really good. You guys, if you get like, you know, that pigmentation, like zinc really, really helps with that. Um, they also have amazing scents, coconut and pineapple, rosé or sweet peach and nectar for your face and body. Or they have unscented if you prefer that, babes. And of course, native sunscreen, you get the protection from the sun, but it's free of chemicals. So that really makes native sunscreen the best. Give your skin the protection it deserves with native's mineral sunscreens. I love a mineral sunscreen. Go to native do.com slash not skinny or use promo code not skinny at checkout to get 20% off your first order. So that's 20% off you guys. That's native deo.com slash not skinny or use promo code not skinny at checkout native deo.com slash not skinny or use code not skinny at checkout. 
So sex life. Everybody, if you didn't know who I'm talking to, Sarah Shahi is the star of Sex Life. Billy and Sex Life. I mean, the first season was revolutionary. You know, we haven't seen a show like this, especially on Netflix, a, a show for everyone. It was top of the charts and it's lots of sex. Yeah. There's even, you know, there's full frontal nudity. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that for you. Tell me about getting the script and all your thoughts there. Yeah. So when I got the script, it was in 2019 and I read it and I was just like, holy shit, like this dialogue, it feels like it's ripped from the pages of my own heart. And, you know, I was going through a time where I was really sort of living in a state of unhappiness. And I was like, is this my life? Is this what everyone works so hard? And when you're a kid, you can't wait to grow up. I couldn't wait to grow up to feel like this. And it just really, I was just questioning everything. And, you know, and then as a wife and as a mom and stuff, you're like, you get told, you know, like, well, but you have it good. You know, you have it good. And I just felt so unseen. And I just felt so like people don't get it. And, you know, yes, you interviewed my (laughs) ex-husband a couple of weeks ago. So we all know how that turned out. Yeah. It really, it really truly was the best thing for the both of us. Cause I just think over time we had met, we were very young when we met and we grew up together. But I think as we grew up, we also changed. And to be able to acknowledge, you know, that like we've been trying to make the other person be versions of themselves that they're not. And, you know, and you have to be brave enough to like let that go, which is really hard. Yeah. Especially if you have children. And so, especially if nothing dramatic happened, right? Right, right. It's just a it's just a matter of two people were just different. It's really hard. So anyway, so yeah, so I, I got that script and I was just like, oh my God, this is the first time I feel seen. Like, holy shit. And wait, were you then already in the process of separating? No. We no, had, but we, but we had, I will say this, we, you know. From the time that our first child was born, our relationship suffered and it was hard to get back on track. So for for 10 for like those last 10 years, you know, and I'll say this, like we were together for a very long time. We were together for 18 years. That's not a failure. You know, that was a long time. And so but the last 10 years, we really did struggle. And, you know, as everyone Once a knows, kid comes in, it's fucking it really it's it, so crazy. Yeah, it really challenges a relationship and any of, you know, the the flaws in the relationship before you have kids. Like if you don't settle those things, that was my experience of it only gets worse. It only gets worse. You have less time for each other. You have less patience. You have less desire because you're just so damn tired. Trying to make it work for 10 years is a long ass time. For 10 years. We tried to make it work for 10 years after the relationship took a nosedive. You know, it's like, that's what I'm saying. It's like divorce is not a bad thing. It's not, doesn't mean a failure. You know, it's like, look at what we created and did with one another. And, you know, we grew up together and that's a beautiful thing. So, so yeah, so we had already separated tried to file once before, didn't go through with it. So really, you know, it's like we were, we already were in trouble. We were already in trouble. So I auditioned for the show 
and, and living separately. And I had auditioned for the show and I tanked the audition. I didn't do well. It was the first time I, there were three scenes and the last scene was her. I don't know if you remember the episode where Billy is like with the moms and they're walking in Soho and she's pushing the cart and the, she flashes back to like when Brad got the tattoo of like the bees and she's mm-hmm. like cupcake store. She's like, what am I doing now? You know, that, that whole scene. Yeah. That was the last scene. And I just blanked and it was almost like I saw the, I couldn't read. Like it was the weirdest thing that happened to me and I blanked and I couldn't do the scene and I couldn't get the emotion. And I hate nothing more than an actor, like trying to cry or pretend so it's like, it's like grosses me out. Like you wouldn't believe like watching somebody vomit i'm like ew so so i i walked out i was like i'm really sorry i can't do this and i'm not going to sit here and bore you with a performance that doesn't feel real i'm gonna leave and i went and i got like a bottle of tequila and a burrito from chipotle and sat on the sidewalk and i just drank it (laughs) like a loser and at that point too i hadn't worked in about a year I had done the show called, I always had this big, I'd always had a career in like network TV and I was always struggling to get out. And I was tired of talking about top things or law things or whatever. I was just like, I can do so much more than this. And so, so this felt that you wanted this, like you went into this audition, like wanting it. I wanted it. I wanted it so bad. It almost felt like Like it was, I was chasing it. Like I was chasing like my destiny or I was chasing my life or I was chasing was not a job for me. And maybe that's why I also pressure was too much. Yeah. Yeah. Too much. And I couldn't do it for myself. And yeah, so I hadn't worked in over in almost a year. I had done city on a hill, which kind of people started looking at me a little differently. They're like, Oh, she's actually an actor. Like she can do a character and an accent and being something that's a bit gritty. Wow. Like all of a sudden they were like looking at me differently. So then I just turned everything down. I had no money. And, and like I said, we were living sep- we were living in separate homes and yeah. And then I tanked the audition and I remember coming home crying and I was like, maybe I'm not this acting thing. Maybe I'm not going to make it after all, I'm never going to succeed. I'm never going to as- achieve my dreams. And then I get a call a week later. They're like, they loved you and you're one of four. And I was like, what? I was like, that doesn't make sense. I was like, I didn't even finish the audition. How is this possible? And they're like, they saw something that they're like, but this is so the character. So I was like, well, okay, then if I still have a shot. So then I I started retaping myself and I went in with my coach and I just started putting myself back on tape and I did the three scenes the way I wanted to do them. And I submitted it and they were really appreciative that I, that I did that. And then I got a call on January, I'll never forget. It was like January 7th, 2000. And they were like, and my phone was just blowing up left and right. And it was my rep saying, you got it. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And they were searching international. Like it was like at the end of the day, it was between me and like this French girl, I remember. And I was just like, oh my God. So yeah, so to get it, I mean, I just, I don't know. Like I said, like I chased it, like I was chasing a lifeline. There was something about that show for me. Yeah. And I've written a couple things and I'm actually, I'm trying to write a book right now, actually about Bill, Billy Mann and, and what that did to me and the way she kind of like seeped under my skin. And, and, you know, I, I admired her 
courage so much, like the courage to ask those questions that we're kind of told not to ask. You know, the, 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 the fact that she is a wife and she's a mother, but she was still pining for the days where she felt free and she felt alive. But at the same time, she's allowed to be, but she's still a good mom. Like that doesn't make her a bad mom. You know what I mean? If she wants to feel sexy and she wants the nights out and she wants to relive those days, like it doesn't mean like you don't have to pick, you know, like you can be a mom and have that other side to you at the same time, you know, like you don't have to lose one of those. You know that I made merch, Sarah, that says you can be a mom and still be a dumb bitch. I love that. I'll I send love you a mug. <laughs> I'll send I you a mug. I purchase that. But my but the, the intention behind that was like what you're saying is like a lot of times, even not with sexual stuff, even just with being dumb, being, you know, stupid with your friends, being all these things doesn't mean you can't be a mom. Doesn't mean you're not a mom. Doesn't yeah. mean because like our moms are such moms, you know? Yeah, it's hard to see them as those things. But, may, you know, maybe they were those things and they wanted yeah. to be those things. So you saw yourself in Billy Mann, like from reading the the script and like oh, felt it, her. It pierced a hole in my heart, like wow. it it rocked me, like on a cellular level. Did it change your life? Oh yeah, and that was no secret. <laughs> yeah, um, but it definitely it gave me the courage to say, like I'm not happy, and I feel like we should, as individuals have the right to be happy, you know? And it's like, and it's not to say, I mean, this is the most I've ever talked about my divorce, but it's not to say that, you know, we, again, like we didn't fail. We created something really beautiful for a very long time. We both tried really hard, but we also both want each other to be versions that we're not. That you're not anymore too. Like that we're not anymore. Were. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, yes, we've changed and we should change. Like we're not the 22 year old kids that we met each other as, you know, we're now in our forties and, and it's truly like, this isn't serving us anymore. Yeah. So, but yeah. And that, you know, it was just, it was just tough. It, but you know, I also, I, I saw this one quote one time a long time ago. I can't remember who said it, but they said like, speak up, even if your voice shakes. And I am very guilty of, I don't like conflict. I don't like to fight, you know, which is not a healthy thing. Sometimes you need that stuff. And I was always putting somebody else first instead of myself. And through playing Billy Mann, I really saw like, it's almost like I started living vicariously through her. And I just saw like, speak up, even if your voice shakes, it's like, okay, here I go. Like, I may not know how to say this, but I have to. And so I just started operating under that umbrella in every area of my life, not just personally, but in my business relationships with my mother, with my brother and sister. And so it definitely had an impact on me. You guys, golf is so fun. Like, have you played mini golf before? Have you watched movies where first dates take their date to play mini golf? I mean, golf is fun and you don't have to be Tiger Woods to play it. And that's what I love about Top Golf. Their motto is it's golf. It's not golf. It's top golf. 
Okay. Because they have so much fun stuff more than just, you know, the clubs, the balls, the tees, the turf, the ball pickers, the, the carts, the whole thing. But they also have music, giant TVs, handcrafted food and beverage menu. I don't know. I'm so bad at golf, by the way. And I still have fun at top golf. Okay. It's all about the vibe. It's all about the play. It's all about having fun. I have no idea what I'm doing. I do love keeping score though, because I do get competitive, but it's like, no, I'm so bad. Like it's just, it's one of those sports, like it looks easy, but it's actually not. So listen at top golf, it doesn't matter if you play golf, everyone can play top golf. Even if you can't swing a club, you can swing a club. Do you know what I mean? Literally when you walk into a top golf, you just get that vibe that good energy when you walk through the door and you know you're going to have the most amazing time and you're going to make the most amazing memories. And it's all the fun of outside, but with the comforts of inside, it's comfy, it's heated in the winter and it's cold bays in the summer. You guys, there's such a vibe there. I would just say it's perfect for parties and bachelor and bachelorette parties Download the app, book a bay, and come play around. It's so crazy because the show does have that, like, you know, edge of, like, nudity and, you know, fun and party and glitter, but it really does have that, you know, deep side, which is, like, questioning your life and, and, and changing something that makes you not happy. But I do have to ask about the nudity a little bit because, like, yeah. I just know how your boobs look, like, it, like it exactly, and the nipple and the whole thing. How was that for you? Was it liberating? Was it was it something you were comfortable with from, you know, forever? Yeah. I was not. I you know, I for me it the idea of being naked in front of the world is not anything that I feel comfortable with and you definitely do feel a pressure because you want to you want to feel good. You want to you want to feel good. You know, you want to feel good about it. And and that's hard. You know, I also think it was important because it's just real. And I just know from all the things that I've watched, you know, throughout my career, anytime I see a person on screen and they're allowing their flaws to be present, like how much as a viewer, I appreciated that and how much that made me tune in more in a way. And it made me more interested in the story because this person was fearless to do that thing. You know, and so, and I also just felt like it's, you know, Hollywood doesn't really depict mothers in their real skins. You know, it's like everyone, whether it's fake tits or, you know, this, the perfect shaped ass or the perfect whatever, it's like that's the thing that's always put front and center. And that's not relatable to me. And so it's like when we did the flashback scenes with Brad obviously that body had to be like a pre baby body. So we were, you know, hiding, you know, the little bits that are definitely post baby. And then when, Oh my God, Sarah, what little bits? Oh, I, de well, you know, I've got hell of a, I've got like so many stretch marks. Wait, you had twins, right? Yeah. 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 Oof. Yeah. Twins. And then, you know, and then, yeah, those little fuckers gave me a little extra skin <laughs> around my stomach that I didn't have before. But, you know, I, I did this interview recently and I said, I was like, as I got older and I got more comfortable with my body and just realizing like, it doesn't matter how much I work out or don't work out. There are some things about my body that are just not going to change. And it's like, and that's fine. And if I sit here, you know, it's like the price I pay to create my favorite humans on the planet. Okay. So first season, 
first of all, you meet your now partner, love of your life, Adam Demo. Is it Demos or Demos? Yeah, Demos. Demo. Demos. So you meet him. Yeah. Did you did you click right away? No, no. We met each other and it was not instant. And, you know, it was a very I was kind of like, oh, because I I I don't I've never felt sort of like when I meet people and they're very good looking, I it's not like it takes so much more than that to get my interest that it's like I instantly will write someone off as a pretty face and that's it. Right. Like it's more like they have more to prove if they're good looking. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I've always been like that. I'm a, I'm, you know, tough one to, I'm a tough catch in that sense. And so, yeah, I met him and he thought I was the PA at first because my, we met in the makeup trailer and like my off duty look always is like homeless lesbian. You know, it's like my kids call it gas station fashion. Like all my clothes look like they come from a gas station. And I'm, and I've always been like that, drove my mother crazy, but I've always just loved comfort more than anything in the world. So yeah, so he thought I was a lesbian, uh, like a yeah, and was like didn't realize I was like the actress playing, playing this role of Billy. And anyway, so yeah, and it was not instant. It was, it was over time. It was getting to know him as a person and seeing like how aligned our values were and how you know I'm kind of a hippy dippy weirdo spiritually and stuff, and he was able to have that too. And he was telling me about his past and his childhood. And he has a single mom. And I just also really respected how he talked about his mom and how he talked about women. And there was just so much that I started seeing over time that made me go, oh, like you're kind of everything I've ever wanted. And, and then that's, that's when, you know, we started being together and stuff, but it was, yeah, a lot of people think it was instant. I know. I know. I think I made the same mistake. And by the way, I wanted to clarify, I made the same mistake back in the day thinking there was like, you know, some overlap. But sure. even if you read articles yeah. and you do the the homework without you even saying that, yeah. like the dates are you filed for divorce in May of 2020. Yeah. You started filming in the fall of 2020. Yeah. So even even the the hard facts. Yes you know, tell, you know, tell it's one of those things where it's like, it's so funny because people, I hate social media and I hate, like, I love it. And I hate it because I feel like people really, they, they all of a sudden they like grow a pair that they've never had before in their lives. And they can comment and say things that if they were to see you face to face, they would never dare say it. But because they think they know you through this, you know, platform they can just like pass so much judgment and they can say such hurtful things. And there was a period in time where I just started blocking comments. I started blocking things because now I've heard it all so much that I just don't care anymore. And it's, yeah, like people, they really do assume that they know things about you personally, just based on what they see out there. And it's just not the truth at all. And yeah. it just, and it, and it did kill me for a while because I so desperately wanted to say something, but I didn't like, like wanted people to know the truth. Well, that's why it is important for me to say even the hard facts, you guys, you know, which I think I made the, the mistake, you know, when the show started or when you and Adam were made your relationship official, it's like, oh, wait, you know, you think because to the public, you guys, you know how somebody's pregnant and you're like, they're pregnant forever. Like time is just different when it's not you. But even the hard facts, I mean, 
are you filed for divorce in May of 2020. And obviously you were saying like you were going through so much before in that relationship. Yeah. You only started filming in the fall of 2020. So it's not even. Yeah. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. And so when you film the first season mm-hmm. and first of all, in situations like that, Sarah, just think of like the Kardashians and, you know, people that really every day, you know, they're dealing with those that ha- that's that makes me feel better. And also, yeah. you know, what other relationship think of Olivia Wilde? Oh, I know. Think of Olivia Wilde because, right. you know, in that situation, there's like Harry, which he has his, you know, fandom that's very protective. There's Jason Sudeikis, which in the media, it's portrayed that he's like the, you know, she broke his heart. So, so it helps me. I know you're not a comparative, comparative person. No, no, no. But you're right. Because I do. Cause sometimes it's like, I, I, I read those things myself too. And it's very easy to be like, Oh, you know, but then again, I reflect on my own experience and how different my experience was from what the world thought it was. And I instantly go, unless unless you're one of those two people behind those closed doors you don't know what the fuck people are doing you don't know what people's lives are and you don't have any right to pass judgment i mean sure pass judgment all day long but it's like i don't i i I don't judge okay so second season you guys just i just finished it it's different first (laughs) what why why do you say that because i know you have some feelings i want to know why you feel that way like it's quicker disappointed it was six episodes yeah only but it did wrap up you know, all the stories kind of wrapped up in a way where is there for sure? Well, you did say you're a two year kind of gal, Sarah. I know I did say that, but I, I realized that. But I love I mean, if we had an opportunity to do, you know, if I could be Billy Mann for, you know, five seasons, I would. I, I her I feel her struggle so much in life and and it's like therapy for me to play Billy. So, you know, that's the one thing I, I would I would do. But yeah, but our order from the beginning before we even started filming was six episodes. They wanted a much quicker season. Why? I don't know. I really truly don't know. You guys remember when TV was like 25 episodes? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then streaming services got it down to yeah. like 10, but six is like a whole new. Yeah. And I, and you know, Netflix, you know, it's like they started off, they were a tech company. You know, so I just feel like they are very much about their metrics. They are very much about like they can see where an audience like stops engagement or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like they have they have all that research. And I know that they felt like they needed more things to happen and they needed it to happen quicker. quicker. Oh, and they and they felt like the story could be best told in a six episode format. And, you know, I look, I mean, I, it's, it's funny. I was watching the show. I wanted to watch it. And I, I'm, I'm a fan of the show, even though I'm in the show, I, I totally fell for Brad and Billy too, you know? And I was just like, damn, I really like, you know, I I like this dynamic on screen. And And we didn't, yeah. People were upset. We didn't get, we didn't get a lot of B and B. Yeah. I was upset too. I was upset. But I will say there's something to me, and this is a spoiler, you guys for season two. I would never have guessed the way that it started, you know, like I would have never have guessed that her coming out of the, you know, his, the elevator. Yeah. Everything that spiraled after that, but maybe it's in a good way that like we're, we're left, you know, just wanting them together instead of getting them together from the beginning. I wanted to ask you, you did you feel that though? Did you, did you trying to think that down? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I did. 
No, of course I wanted them together. But were you watching as an audience member? Were you watching like and like and thinking like are Brad like are Brad when are they going to come back on screen? Oh my God, of course I was. You did. Okay, interesting. No, of course. You think I wanted her to end up with Majid? No, no, no. But I just didn't know because there were so many other stories that took center stage. I didn't know if you were along for those stories or if in the back of mind, if there was a part of you that when you were still like, when are Brad and like, I just didn't know how. No, I think in the back, I, in the back of everyone's mind, I think I can speak for us all. Cause that's what I like to do. But yeah, is, we, is yeah. we, we wanted Brad and Billy. So I'm now thinking instead of being disappointed, maybe that was a good move. Do you get what I mean? Instead of being disappointed, there wasn't enough Brad and Billy. Maybe that was the point. Maybe it was, you know, you're kept yeah. wanting them together, except and then we get that we get that. Wait, were you in? Was that a fantasy when you imagine the tip of his penis? What was that for? <laughs> like, I need to understand that. Like, did you were there moments in the show where you're like, OK, like, I get it. It's about the nudity. It's about the the, the sex. But sometimes it's like I think there was that awesome. that one was a lot. And the fake the the his friend's <laughs> penis at the end. Yeah. I, yeah, there were parts of the show. I mean, season one, I really felt was so real, you know? I mean, when, when there's the, the scene in the shower, when, you know, Adam has the prosthetic on and the scene in the shower. And when that's revealed, it's so unintentional. It was so, it was so smart. It was so clever, you know, and you could absolutely imagine that situation happening in real life. Yeah. Dudes for sure compare, you know? Exactly. And in a gym shower, like it, it makes sense. There's nothing about that that felt like a what's the word I'm looking for when something is done like intentionally. I can't think anyway, whatever. So it's like, yeah, like not kitschy. That's whatever. Who cares? So gratuitous. like, yeah, gratuitous or I'm trying to think of oh, whatever. So it was just real. And in season two, I felt like some of the things were like a pl- it was like a ploy. It was a way to become another TikTok sensation. It was like, I felt like it was for that purpose, you know, like they wanted, it was gimmicky, gimmicky. Oh, gotcha. Gimmicky, like a gimmick. And I felt like there were more moments that felt very gimmicky. And it, it, those kinds of things for me are always really hard to read. Yeah. Yeah. And like do and stuff like that. But I didn't have to do them. The boys did. But, you know, and I thought they did a great and, and, you know, I thought Jonathan Sadowski did a great job with that, you know, just trying to make it as real as possible. And, you know, Adam, you know, he does a great job being Brad. But, yeah, it felt a little bit more gimmicky for me in season. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like acting with Adam and being Billy and Brad, like when you're now fully together in love, doing all these, you know, scenes? Well, it was an interesting ex- like observation for me because, you know, I love acting. I love acting so much and I'm definitely an acting cunt. Like if I see a fake moment, you know, I'm like, ha, ah, I saw you. I saw that transition. I saw that, you know, it's like it's the only thing in my life. I feel like I'm really good at <laughs> like in terms of not not to say I'm a good actor, but it's like it's the like I care so much that I I watch almost like with a microscope. I watch everything I how I break down my scripts and how I understand character and stuff like that. So I'm just obsessed with it. But I, it was an interesting observation that I had never done a character where I was 
in love with somebody. And then in real life, I'm in love with somebody. And it was, and I think that's what made Brad and Billy so popular was because people really felt the real sparks between us and the real sparks. And they just, they just shot through the lens and it infiltrated, you know, the screen. And so it was a real interesting observation that it was like, oh, wow. So this is what happens. Like if you see, you know, couples that are together in real life and then you see them on screen and why there just is a level of comfort that you can't fake. Like it's just there, you know, like if you had to say, if you had to work with one of your children and you had to say like, oh my God, I love you. That's going to come from such a real place versus if you're working with a child actor and you have to say, I love you, even though you could do a great line reading. You know what I mean? It's just like, there's just something that happens to your body that's different. Mm. And so, you know, season one, it was really beautiful to experience that. And, you know, we really enjoyed working with each other and, you know, we met as actors. So that actor dynamic in us, like we're very good. I, I, I really like the way how, you know, we're able to kind of almost like switch the relationship off and it becomes about two actors in a scene because he's, he also really cares about acting and he's great. And so it just becomes about the scene, getting the scene to be good and moments. And, you know, so I like that I'm able to have almost like two different sides of myself with him and as does he. And in second season, it was a bummer. You know, I was bummed. I was bummed that I wasn't able to work with him as much because I really liked our stories and I liked working with him. And he was a brilliant scene partner. And I was bummed. I was bummed for sure. And also what ended up happening is I was working so much and he was working so little. He's like in 60 seconds of the entire thing that I never saw him. (laughs) I just never saw him anymore. So how many, how long did it take you guys to shoot the, the, the season? Like a little less than four months, maybe. Okay. Yeah. And in Canada again. Yeah. Yeah. It was Toronto and Toronto was, it, Toronto was a great, a great city. I don't know if you've been, but like, it's a beautiful city. I can do without the cold, you know, especially since I have to be like, I can't even wear clothes in it. Like I always had to be naked and it was snowing in like the coldest day of the year, you know, like that kind of thing. So that's, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, Toronto was a fun city. So for, so doesn't sound like we're getting a season three. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't I really know. know. I know that Netflix, what they always say is that it's about the viewership. I know the viewership. that's what they, you know, if it does astronomically high and like hugely successful, then it's in their interest to bring it back. Right. It doesn't, then it's not in their interest to bring it back. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, very bad. I know. I know. It was, it was, I, it was, it was, now you're making me think about it in a different way. You know, really? now you're making me overthink it. Yeah. Because I, first of all, by the way, at the, the, the last episode I shared that I, I cried like a fucking loser. Oh my You God. know, I can't believe I cried. I cried when, when, I, uh, Bill and Cooper say goodbye to each other. That one, where did you cry in that? I, last episode? I think the whole ending. Like the whole ending, yeah. That that say goodbye. They say goodbye, and he's happy. I think it was great that they made him happy, you know, because then we would have been maybe a little angry. But I think we're like, he's happy underneath it all. He's a good guy. He deserves it. You made it back to the love of your life, you know. Yeah, it's it was it was a beautiful little just feel good vibes all around, and it's just and again, it's just it's so interesting. I remember. I mean, I I cry. I had to. 
I couldn't stop crying. I mean, I had to go and like record voiceover stuff for that scene where I say to Cooper, you know, he tells me he's going to marry Emily. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you. And then, you know, he's like, what about you? Are you, and he, you know, and he says like, you know what, Billy, you know, for the time that you were mine, like, I'm so grateful for the time that I did get to call you mine. Yeah. And it just, I mean, I could start crying right now talking about it. It's so beautiful. And, you know, and then, and she has, and there's that voiceover where it's like, in the end, we look back on our lives and we say one of two things, either I'm glad I did, or I wish I had. And it's like, and I'm those voiceovers, those voiceovers, (laughs) did you like doing them? You're really good at it. Those things. I, I did like doing it. I did like doing it. I've been trying to break in. I've been trying to get like a voiceover for years, for 20 years. I've been, I've been auditioning for voiceovers and I can't get a damn one. And I'm just like, somebody listen to sex life. But yeah, cause I do love, I do, I do love doing voice voiceover work and you know, stuff like that. So anyway, it's just an easy way to make money and I love it. So, but yeah, I loved, I loved doing those. And I thought it was really well-written. I thought the whole point of like, I'm glad I did, or I wish I had mm. and be able to say like, I had so many, I'm glad I did with you. I wonder how many women divorce their husbands <laughs> after sex life, you know? No, because no, no joke, but it makes, it did make people ask the questions, you know, and that's, that is real life. Okay. Yeah. I was going to call you Billy. Can you believe that? Hey, you can call Billy. Like <laughs> I, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Billy. Okay. You're currently in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are you working on the new, because it just like recently came out that you're, working on a new ABC pilot. Yes. Called judgment. Yes. Yes. It's a high stakes legal soap. And I read a little bit about it. I think it's like two hot guys fighting over you. So it's like, that's the thing. It's like sex life, but I was gonna say it's like sex life and heavier. It's like heavy on the relationship aspect of it. There's a, there's a thriller aspect of it that's involved too. And it's not, it's not proceed. It's not procedural. Like I'm not sitting there, like there's a couple legal jargons that I have to say, but it's not, I'm not in a courtroom. I'm not in a law office. I'm discussing relationships and I'm stuck between these two men and you see my relate. And the way it starts out is I'm interviewing to be a Supreme court justice. And it's going to be the first middle Eastern woman potentially ever put on the court. And you start to hear about all my skeletons. It flashes back. It flashes back to the year 2022 when I was like this young buck lawyer and I was in this relationship already. The dynamic is being set that like I start to fall against my own will for his brother, who was also a lawyer. And they're like rival lawyers, the two brothers. And I'm not exactly sure, you know, what's going to happen, but, but it's pretty juicy. It's almost like, you know, yeah, it's like sex life, but I just have to say like your honor a couple of times, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is it fun? Are you having fun shooting it? I'm having a great time shooting it. And I never thought that I would say that about a network show, but I'm so happy with the quality of work and, you know, our DP, I mean, he just shot Queen's Gambit. He was like Steven Spielberg's camera operator for an incredibly long time. He was Soderbergh's DP for a while, like, and that he's never done network television before and he wanted to try it. So it's like, I'm getting all these incredibly artistic filmmakers to come and shoot the show. Paul McGuigan is our director who's done an immense amount of film work. And yeah, like it's just elevating everything. And I'm just very, very happy about that. What's next for, for Sarah? You're working on the show now. What's I'm your next show? Thing? I'm just trying to get on, on your next podcast. 
<laughs> first of all, you're an amazing podcast guest. I oh, mean, thanks. I hope it's boring. No, you are amazing. No. So thank you so much for coming on my show. Oh, I'm so glad we did this. And like, I know, said, like I, I was following you and I'm like, she's so cool. I was like, and she's so gorgeous. And I was like, how I I like her a lot. And, you know, so it's like, I hope I get to meet you one day. And too. Well, wear sparkly dresses that bothered me, by the way. Oh, it bothered me, too. Okay, me a lot. I was wondering, I wanted to ask you, like, I was just like, well, I think I stopped complaining about it this season because I complained about a lot first season. And some people answered me and were like, it's supposed to be like people make up reasons why it's supposed to be like, because it's I don't remember what. But like, why always this part? Couldn't she have been a little bit fashionable? I agree with you. And, you know, it's it was a, you know, the second season was challenging for me. Like, you know, I can tell I can put it down, but I definitely did not have the support that I did the first season from the people involved in the show. It became a much different thing for me. And I'm not afraid to say that. And I didn't, you know, and, and also I really, I struggled. I struggled with the material. I struggled. I just felt the thing that it had the first season. I mean, I'm never going to work for Netflix again now after seeing all this. (laughs) I just can't, I can't lie. And it was definitely a challenge. And, you know, I think a lot of the same like some of the the themes that were there, I still really liked, you know, I still liked the themes of second chances. I liked the themes. Like I would have liked to have seen Billy as a single person a little bit more, but they had such a short, and also like Stacy had such a hard job with only six episodes and telling all these fast moving stories. Like that's, that's hard to do. And I get that. And so, but yeah, it's like, I just, I, I don't know. Things just felt different for me this year. And, and, and I had a hard time because of that. So, well, I think you did such an amazing job because we didn't notice that. You know what I mean? Good. Well, good. And like I said, I'm never working for Netflix again. There's always but, Hulu and like a gazillion. I know other there's streamers. others. So Max <laughs> might want me now. But yeah, but but I still really love like, you know, the romantic themes. I still loved the music. I still loved, you know, like voiceovers. And like I said, those themes of second chances and you know, divorce and co-parenting and, you know, all that stuff is so real for me. So it was so nice. And then, you know, dating somebody who doesn't have kids and like, and what that looks like and how hard that is. Like, so all these things were so real and really, really, really resonated with me. And like I said, then there were other things that I just felt I couldn't get behind and it was just challenging, but that's part of, it's part of what I do. You know, it's like, I'm not always going to get along or agree with a filmmaker. I'm not always going to like what I have to do or say. And it's, but that's my job is to make it believable, you know? So it definitely, definitely was. De- I mean, you made us cry at the end, you know? So like, oh, that's all, that's I, all I you love, could hope I loved for. That at the end. I cried too. I really. On tried. a show where we got a tip of a dick, you know, we and, got just the tip. They balls made- that were a penis pump. I know. I know. I know. I forgot about the pump part. I think I blacked out the pump part. Sarah, you are beyond lovely. It was so good to meet you. And when you're in New York, we're yeah. having the Billy and Sasha sands the glitter. I love it. I love it. But it's going to be Amanda and Sarah, and it's going to be even better. Yay. Thank you again. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Not Skinny But Not Fat. Follow me on Instagram at Not Skinny But Not Fat. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. Rate 
the podcast that you love so much on Apple Podcasts and write a little review. If you tell me you did, I'll give you a big virtual smoocheroo. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.